AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Right now, there's Listener Rewards, a pretty neat prize involving the hardwood available for you. All you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app and register. You're instantly eligible for that contest and that drawing. So I'd advise downloading the KDOS 1060 app. It is Thursday. It is November 9th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take your phone calls today around 1130 and 1215. The number, 602 260 1060 if you'd like to join the program today let's set the scene though with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question do you believe jim harbaugh had no knowledge of the apparent apparent michigan sign stealing and bob had a conversation with Aaron McMahon from MLive.com talking all things Michigan football. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But the masses remain on the no side of things at 80% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 20%. Okay. It was 100% in the last hour, so there's been some love, so to speak, for hardball here, I guess. Uh, This has obviously been a story that seems to have a new twist literally every few minutes. Uh, but to this point, it certainly has not had anything to do with the Wolverines on the field performance, which leads us into the next question. Absolutely. The next question is over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, who wins on Saturday in Happy Valley, Michigan or Penn State? Penn State leading the way here at 60% of the vote, Michigan trailing at 40%. A little surprised here. Uh, Michigan opened a five-point favorite, and they're pretty much four and a half at the large majority of sports books worldwide at this point. We will officially answer both of those questions around 1230 today. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Once again, your phone calls today around 1130 and 1215. The number is 602-260-1060. We'll get into uh, plenty of takeaways from Arizona Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon, who met the media discussing Kyler Murray, maybe a little bit about James Conner, secrecy about injuries. We'll dive into that here momentarily. But first... Yeah. Uh, first, really? really? <laughs> that, you know, it, it's uh, I'll, I'll lump them all together. It's quite comical, the uh, the responses for sure. But first up on the hardwood, the Suns, they were able to squeak out a victory in overtime against the Bulls in Chicago last night. 116 to 115. Uh, uh, Nurkic, it was his layup with 7.3 seconds to go in overtime that put the Suns up. The Bulls' uh, last-ditch effort shot fell just short, and Phoenix was able to hang on. It was the debut of Bradley Beal in the regular season in a Suns uniform. He was in a minutes restriction here. He got the start, played 24 minutes, 3 of 12 from the floor. All of his shots made were threes, four rebounds, four assists, and 13 points. As expected, though, it's going to take some time for him him to get uh, ramped up in basketball shape. 
Absolutely, and it, it's uh, you know, it shouldn't be any criticism directed towards him, as you just mentioned. It's uh, you know he's been uh, out for you know seven games before this to start the season, uh, so there's that. You mentioned Nurkic; he almost had a triple double last night: twenty points, seventeen rebounds, and eight assists. Before last night, he'd not scored more than 14 points in any of the first seven games. He had not had more than 12 rebounds in any of the first seven games. Yeah, you mentioned Nurkic, 20 points, 17 rebounds, and eight assists. Uh, as it were, though, for the Suns, they were led by Grayson Allen, who had 26 points, nine of 16, eight rebounds, four assists, 37 minutes, and I believe it was a record for him with the number of threes he made. Right, Kevin- yes. Yeah. Kevin Durant, this is something that we've talked about here. I'm a little bit nervous about the number of minutes that he's having to log in necessity so early in the season. 42 minutes for him last night, 25 points, 7 of 16, 7 rebounds, and 9 assists. Well, you got me thinking about this, and you got me doing research. Oh, I like it. Yeah, you would appreciate this, hopefully. If not, then shame on you. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing that you know, in the first you know, seven games that they've played, well, now eight games that they've played this year, he's played 36 or more minutes in all but one, and the only game he didn't is when they blew out the Jazz on Saturday night. That's the only, uh, not a the, the couple weeks ago, Saturday night, when they blew out the Jazz in that one game. He's played 36 or more every game, and uh, this is just kind of foolish in my opinion that uh, that their you know, sons are pushing him hard to win regular season games. I don't understand it. Yeah, it's. It, I will say this, that there seem, seems to be a lot of lulls in scoring when he is not on the court. So when you're going to your bench rotation, and again, it's hard to really have a concrete understanding of what the rotations are going to be just because you haven't had your full big three, if you will, with Beal, Booker, and Durant. But when he is not on the floor, they can go several minutes without scoring a bucket, and that's problematic here. But to your point, what's the the larger picture here? Uh, what, What are we what is the end goal and that's to be ready to go for the playoffs correct and nothing should be that problematic in a game in november uh, when it comes, though, to maybe something that should be addressed, it's the theme of turnovers. They had 22 of them last yeah. night. This has been a consistent uh, bit of issue for the Suns with turnovers. The Bulls last night scored 30 points off of those. I'm just kind of curious to know, uh, you know, not having Devin Booker, not having Bradley Beal uh, up to speed, if you will, uh, if that is kind of leading to some of those turnovers that guys who are not used to being in those positions of extreme ball handling uh, to that level is causing these turnovers, and some of that just gets corrected by who's on the court eventually. I think that's part of it, but you know, it's not like Booker wasn't void of turnovers in his past. So, and really, and I understand that the NBA, there's really uh, not many teams that have a quote true point guard anymore, but they don't have one. Uh, so when all those guys are actually playing. I'm kind of curious to see who at least generates the offense. You know, like Beal seemed to be the guy last night when he was out there that, you know, if, if you have a guy that is, quote, bring the ball up the floor in a, uh, you know, in a, in a slower paced game, he seemed to be the dude. And uh, I don't know if we've seen enough of him in his career to realize if he can do that or not on a regular basis, at least on a good team. Uh, so that's going on. 
Uh, also, as I mentioned during the uh, during the sports zone, like anybody that watched that game last night, uh, couldn't have been too impressed with the quality of play. But I also wouldn't be all that critical about that because it's November. Uh, yeah, definitely on that front. And, you know, to that point, we have seen Nurkic, the ball go through him. So he's been quite uh, available, at least in the assist realm of kind of really taking on yeah. some of some of that uh, to generate the offense. Yeah, I think pretty much, you know, when he got when the eight trade for you know, Nurkic and all the other players, some of which are already been let go by both teams, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, that was the primary part of that trade for those two teams. Uh, you know, I did uh, a Portland radio hit, and I remember I asked them, "What you know? Tell me about Nurkic." And they pretty much told me that he has good ball skills, doesn't always play hard. What they didn't tell me is he complains about every call. I mean, that's got to be a, a bit irritating if you're a referee. I mean, every call. Uh, that's the one thing I've noticed the most when I've watched him play so far this year. And I've not watched every second of every Suns game, especially last week when the Diamondbacks were still playing and they were playing some games simultaneously. But uh, he's got to you know, shut up. <laughs> he's not a good enough player to be bitching about every call. Uh, and so the Suns will next play uh, tomorrow as they host the Lakers on ESPN. It's an 8 p.m. contest. And, Bob, just to confuse us all here, it's technically oh, yeah. a game yes. that is part of the group stage play that eventually gets your seating for the NBA in-season tournament in December. Yeah, can't can't wait for that. Uh, you know, it's just another scam to try to get you to watch the regular season. And I don't blame the NBA. Uh, their television rights deals are up after this year, and there was certainly a lot of concern after last year. They're trying to, you know, find they're supposedly fining teams for you know players you know not playing when they might be healthy. Even though I've only seen them attempt to find one team so far about this, and then the Players Association went nuts and that was voided. So good luck with that. But uh, they're doing everything, which they should be doing. Uh, they're trying to do everything humanly possible to try to get somebody to watch these meaningless regular season games. Yeah, I saw something where last weekend, I believe it was the first games of some of the games that could be qualified in this group stage like we're talking about, and uh, ratings were up over 30% year over year. I really don't know if it's a byproduct of we all suddenly know that it's a group stage game or if it just happened to be that uh, it fell on a great day for, for no other sports going on and people were interested in watching some hoops over the weekend. Well, I think the games last week, one of them was, I you know, forgot. I don't pay, I apologize. Uh, Boston against somebody. It was a game that people would be watching anyway. I mean, tomorrow night, the Lakers and the Suns. People would be watching that game anyway, right? So I'm sure they'll get you know, fantastic ratings there too. Uh, yes, definitely on that front. So we will, uh, you know, continue to talk about the Suns and when the Suns get out there full and healthy and ready to go, we can kind of start to piece together uh, what this offense is going to look like, who's kind of bringing up the ball, if that helps uh, with some of the turnovers, what the rotations are going to look like. But at this point, it's pretty incomplete for me. Yeah, I had one other thing. I thought that, you know, you know Bates Diop, uh, who was a really good player at Ohio State, that's been a few years ago now, but was more of an offensive player at Ohio State. Uh, but, you know, watching him and the uh, some that I've seen the Suns play this year, 
He might be their best defensive player, and that's in part because he's a good defensive player. That's in part because they don't seem to really have any other good defensive players, and that was certainly the case last night. In fact, there was pretty much no defense in that game last night by either team, and there were a whole lot of open missed looks in that game, and that game should have been much more than 116 to 115. Uh, he also made that critical three, though, in overtime. Yeah. Uh, so in the corner there. So that was good to see him him hitting that type of shot in that type of moment. Yeah. I don't know if you want him shooting with the game on the line. But, uh, yeah, he was, an, like I mentioned, he was an offensive player at Ohio State. I mean, he, it's not like he didn't play. He played some defense. But, yeah, he was known for his offense more than his defense in his collegiate career. Suns tomorrow hosting the Lakers. We'll also continue to monitor the injury report. Uh, if Bradley Beal will continue to be out there in addition to uh, the status on Devin Booker. So we'll continue to monitor that heading into tomorrow's contest. On the other side, though, head coach Jonathan Gannon met the media and he gave us an update on some injuries. It is a lengthy injury report for the Cardinals on a Wednesday, albeit. So let's provide that caveat. It was a Wednesday injury report. He dove into a bit about the offensive line. Of course, Kyler Murray and James Conner, whose 21 day window has officially been open. We'll get into that on the other side of the break. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. right here on this Thursday, November 9th edition of Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 p.m. as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Arizona Cardinals are on the practice field this week getting prepped and ready to host the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. In addition, it is looking likely that it'll be the uh, first start of Kyler Murray in the uh, 2023 season. In addition to that, the first start for Kyler Murray uh, with the new offensive scheme, the new offensive system, new offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, as well as head coach Jonathan Gannon. It was a lengthy injury report, though, for the Cardinals yesterday. We'll have the caveat being that it was a Wednesday injury report. But some players uh, to monitor here, Chris, uh, Tristan Cologne, he left in, that was two weeks ago's contest uh, with a calf injury. He did not practice Wednesday. He also didn't play last week. Amari DiMercato did not practice on Wednesday with a toe. He was uh, inactive and did not play last week as well. Will Hernandez with a knee did not pr- practice. He left last week's contest. DJ Humphreys with an ankle did not practice. He also left last week's contest. Cam Thomas didn't practice with an illness. Zeke Turner did not practice with a hamstring. Marco Wilson did not practice with a knee. James Connor was limited with a knee. Once again, his 21-day window is officially open. And Michael Wilson was limited with a shoulder. But what exactly are the updates on some of these uh, key players from head coach Jonathan Gannon? Bob, are you ready for this? 
Sort of. Okay. I'll just <laughs> yeah. lump them together here. Any uh, other- I did not I did not listen to the press conference yesterday, so you this is News to me, but I'm guessing it's no news. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. Uh, Any updates on DJ Humphreys or Will Hernandez? Jonathan Gannon says, not right now. We'll see how the week kind of goes with all these guys. Question, will James Conner play Sunday? We'll see how the week goes. Question, do you expect Amari DiMercato to practice this week? We'll kind of see how the week goes. All together now. How will the, how will the week go? <laughs> well, so, we're still uh, waiting to find out. So no news okay. on those particular players. And and we have discussed how integral that offensive line could be to Kyler's start. And also, I think it does change things a little bit if James Conner is able to get back. And even for the for the fact of the matter, Amari Di Mercado. Agreed. I mean, obviously, Connor, you know, one, I think, uh, arguably, is their best NFL player. Uh, he would be starting almost every team in the league. Uh, I don't think there is too many other positions where you can say that about too many Cardinals starters when everybody's healthy. I don't think there's more than five, six guys that would fall into that category. And uh, I've been more impressed with him. I thought he was a good player at Pittsburgh. Um you know, watching every you know every down that he's played here, he's a far better player than I anticipated. In part because he really wasn't required to you know be part of the passing game in in uh, in Pittsburgh, and the fact that he's had an incredible high percentage of you know catches and targets and such and very few drops and he's a really good player. I thought he was good, but he's far better than I thought. And if you can get him out there, and hopefully he's, you know, hopefully they don't put him out there too soon. Hence, the, he's got they got the window here, so just don't put him out there because he's eligible to return, which has been done, I think, not necessarily the Cardinals really ever. Quite frankly, I can't think of too many guys that were out there before they were supposed to be or should have been. But the you know, other teams in the NFL, I think that we certainly have some cases where they've rushed guys back too quickly, and they played one last week in Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Well, let's just stick here with uh, James Conner. I have some stats. I also have takeaways from Jonathan Gannon when he was asked about James Conner and whether or not you kind of have to hold him back in practice. And he says, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah he that's why he yeah. is who he is. That's why he's a very productive, really good player because of the way he practices, because he prepares. And that, I think, trickles down to the team, and that's one of the reasons he's a captain. His habits on a daily basis, he displays winning behavior day in and day out. So we'll be smart about how we do things. Things with him we'll see how he responds today that doesn't surprise me at all uh, if anybody gets to the Cardinals games early when they're on the field I'm not sure when they let the fans in or whatever uh, but when they're out there not necessarily just with the you know the last little pregame warm-up thing that's you know goes on with a half an hour before or whatever but if for some reason you're in the stadium before that he takes it really seriously I mean he's out there busting it uh, in the pre pregame, <laughs> so does not surprise me. Unfortunately, we don't go to practices anymore. Uh, I'm not sure. I assume he does that in every practice that he's in. I don't really remember him being featured all that much on Hard Knocks. Kayla, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, I would think that that would have been uh, something that I would remember on Hard Knocks last year. Yeah, a little bit here and there, um, but not. I remember Buda Baker more. That's true. I mean, uh, if I were doing hard knocks, if well, right now, if you told me the Cardinals were the hard knocks team this year, and thank God they're not, but if they were, 
one of the storylines that I would be following with the HBO crew is just how hard he practices, I assume, and certainly how hard he plays. And uh, so what, uh, you know, what, what Gannon said about you know, the practice and you know, make sure he doesn't just overdo it, quite frankly, I'm paraphrasing, but doesn't overdo it, that is not surprising to me at all. Uh, so I'm kind of kicking myself here. I have my stats, but I didn't have stats for him in the receiving game. And you're 100% right that he has these soft hands. I remember uh, one of the uh, training camp practices that we went to. He made an incredible over over yeah. the head catch. And I thought to myself, man, he might be the best player on this roster heading into the season just from that athletic catch that he made. But my stats that I have are, are all from the run game here. According to NFL Next Gen stats this season, James Conner was seeing eight plus in the box 27.94% of the time. He was averaging 3.11 seconds behind the line of scrimmage. And it was for him 0.76 yard, uh, rush yards over expected per attempt to touchdowns and 364 yards so he was having a a really good season for Mm -hmm. and and I would also say that he ran with so much authority and was looking for contact at times and carrying guys with him to get the yards that he was getting yeah sometimes you wonder if that you're looking for contact thing is going to show up uh, long term Uh, but you you know he's unfortunately for him Never made it through an entire season without an injury, whether it's a 16-game or 17-game season, and I'm guessing that's part of it. But uh, yeah, he's he's a really, really he's a professional football player, and uh, I don't say that about everybody and every you know not just football, but you know, you probably people out there know people that are really good at their jobs and some people that are just kind of trying to get through the day and their jobs are not quite as efficient or productive. Uh, statistically, though, his best year, I was only looking at at running back numbers, not the catching numbers as well. But statistically, his best year was in 2018 in Pittsburgh, despite only 13 games played due to injury. It was 215 carries for him, 973 yards and 12 touchdowns. In a Cardinals uniform, it was 2021, which was his first year with the Cardinals. 15 games played, 202 carries, 752 yards and 15 touchdowns. I'm guessing that year in Pittsburgh is probably the best offensive line he played behind because they still had a couple of their veterans before they either left or, you know, at least in one case, retired. So that uh, definitely helps some. But, uh, you know, I don't want to take away anything from what I think of Connor. I think very highly of him, obviously. Uh, so some of the other things that caught my attention here from head coach Jonathan Gannon, uh, going back to the injuries on the offensive line, and he was asked about with those injuries to the O-line, how beneficial is it to have a veteran like Kelvin Beecham in the room? He said, huge. Beach has played a good role for us, obviously a productive player that we feel good about going in there and playing, so glad that we have him. One more follow-up on Kelvin Beecham there, and how has he embraced his new role? Obviously, he was right tackle last year uh he is now more of a swing situation filling in where needed he's played some left tackle at times this year he's been excellent an ultimate pro i talk to him a lot i pick his brain a lot he always has a good viewpoint of what's going on he's been a huge resource for me in his limited action this year 51 snaps this season one penalty two sacks allowed and it's a 56.4 grade from pro football focus 
Is that good? I don't know not if that's great. good or not. Yeah, because the one time he had to play left tackle is when Humphreys got ejected in Seattle, and he was awful in that game. Um, yeah, he was okay. I thought he was better two years ago. Uh, certainly, uh, yeah, he was part of the Cardinals' magical start to the you know, 2021 season. 2021, right? Yeah, 2021 season when they were the last undefeated team in the league. He was, uh, I think that's the best I've ever seen him play here, certainly. So, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that he's a professional. Um, you know, he's, we've heard him talk before, and he's a really smart dude. And, uh, you know, so, you know, you'd be honored if he were a family member, it sounds like, just listening to over the last, you know, two, three years sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's uh, – how good he is an offensive lineman right now. I assume if they thought he was really at top-notch level like he used to be – that he would be playing, uh, he would have been playing guard last week before the other injuries. I do remember that from Hard Knocks, he wanted to become a pilot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember that part. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I know he's done all. Yeah, I believe it was the Cardinals' Man of the Year, whatever they call that, for all the off-field uh, you know, things that he does. I know that he's uh, been in the running for that. If he has, I think he's actually was the winner last year. So there's lots of stuff going on with him. And I was actually, because of all the off the field things, and you mentioned the pilot thing, he's, he's got a plan after football. So I was a little, a little surprised that he even came back for this year, especially after they drafted a tackle in the draft. Jonathan Gannon was asked what the best-case scenario for Kyler Murray is immediately and for the rest of the season. It was a short answer for him. He said, I would think just to get comfortable with what he's doing and produce, make sure we stay healthy, take it day by day. When we uh, go back and we look at what Murray was doing before he was injured last season, according to NFL Next Gen stats last year, it was 4.1 average completed air yards, 2.65 seconds uh, time to throw, 66.4% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And I almost feel like most of that has to be thrown out the window just because it's going to be a whole new offense and a whole new group of guys that he's going to be working with. That's true. I don't know about the you know the group and guys. I think they actually are you know fine. I mean, I think they've got they've got playmakers on offense, assuming everybody's healthy. Uh, you know, they've got receivers. You know, Connor obviously in the backfield is a very good player. Rondell Moore, who I completely understand, you can't overuse him because you got to be really concerned whether he can make it through a season because he's only made it through one season in his college or pro career combined healthy. So you can't overuse him. But, yeah, they've got weapons. Also, I'm curious to see whether this offense changes. I, you know, the thing that I mentioned yesterday, it's crazy. We're this far into the season, and I really don't understand what the design of the offense is, in large part because the offensive line has not been particularly good, and also because when Josh Dobbs was here, he often left the pocket when he didn't have to leave the pocket. And that's actually something that Kyler Murray has done before uh, when he's had a better offensive line than he's likely going to have for the rest of this season, no matter who's playing. You know, he has left the pocket uh, kind of the first sign of trouble or first alarming thing that might happen. I think that's been one of his biggest weaknesses is he's not stayed with the play long enough. Uh, and uh, that's just, uh, you know, no matter whether you're running this offense or Kingsbury's offense, that's an issue. 
That's one thing I'll definitely be paying attention to on Sunday, assuming he plays. Uh, one other thing about Kyler Murray that I caught my attention from head coach Jonathan Gannon meeting the media yesterday was he was asked, is this a reset for the team with Kyler now returning? And he said, no, I don't see it like that. I see it as we have to put all of our energy and focus into beating Atlanta. If I were Gannon, I'd say that every week is a reset because last week sucked. And you can pretty much say that about every week for the last five or six weeks for sure. And Since the Dallas game. Uh, and then the last thing that caught my attention here was he was asked uh, about what he sees from the opponent for this Sunday in the Falcons. And he says offensively top three in explosives. They generate explosives. They have unique skill guys that they deploy differently. He's committed to running the ball and finds creative ways to do that. And then when you say, you know what, we're going to stop the run, he throws it over your head. So it's a very hard scheme to go against well coached. The defense hired a new D coordinator from New Orleans, brought some premier players in this offseason they got good skill all three levels they do a good job of rush and cover they do a really good job on first down efficiency to get you behind the sticks so we have to make sure we play the game on our terms yeah i'm not really sure what to think of atlanta i've thought that uh, the first part of the season that their offense looked like uh, they had some pretty good idea of what to do I think that changed. Uh, you know, Desmond Ritter didn't help that any with uh, multiple turnovers and mostly, unfortunately, for Atlanta at very key junctures of games than some of those that they lost. Uh, and now, you know, we've got the quarterback change and whatever. But we'll have more on the Falcons. I'll have a better, we'll all have a better idea on the Falcons tomorrow after the 10-15 segment with D. Orlando Ledbetter, longtime guest of the Sports Zone from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is scheduled to join us. Absolutely, and we can maybe ask him what's going on with B. John Robinson, right? Because that oh, obviously def- is the def- ire of definitely. every fantasy owner. Yeah. Well, and I would say non-fantasy owners. I mean, it's just you kind of wonder what what's going on there. I know he's had a couple of bad fumbles, and uh, you know, sometimes you know, there, there's – I, there's a coach, at least one coach in the NFL in New England, that does not take kindly to fumbles no matter how good a player you are. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's going on in Atlanta or not, but it seems like his usage has declined after he had a couple of not great plays. 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll take your calls now, get to you on the other side of the break. We'll also continue some NFL discussion next. It is The Extra Point. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. 602-260-1060. That's the number if you'd like to chime in. Nine weeks of the NFL season is in the books. Tonight actually starts week number 10 with a thrilling contest. We'll get into that uh, (laughs) a little bit later on in the show. But 
I thought it would be fascinating to go through uh, for sure the NFC West and a few other teams that had certain expectations heading into the season, where they are at now, what has most surprised us so far, and a little look ahead to the remainder of the season and maybe if we think there's going to be some playoff implications for them on the line. Starting in the NFC West, uh, let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. They're sitting at 1-8. and eight. I don't know that any one is all that surprised about one and eight maybe you could be surprised at where the one came from or how some of these games have unfolded I also do have a question here have we been able to learn anything about Paris Johnson Jr. at right tackle nine weeks into the season as a rookie at that position I think that's an excellent question. Um, I think I would have had a different answer to this before the last couple of games when he seemingly has not played nearly as well as he had. He had a bad first game against Washington. After that, I thought he did you know quite well, uh, especially for a rookie. And then these last couple of games, it's been more like that first game against Washington. So not sure where I stand at the moment with him. I'm trying to be objective because I wasn't exactly in favor of them selecting him to begin with. And uh, I'm an Ohio State fan and uh, thought that he was a better guard at Ohio State when he played there earlier in his career than when he played left tackle last year. The next question that I have here is that I was hoping that we know what the situation was in terms of you know, the amount of wins and losses in the win column, that it wasn't going to uh, go great, but that I was hoping that there would be opportunities where we could learn something a little bit about the coaching staff, in-game coaching decisions, game planning, something along these lines to kind of uh, show us who they're going to be when the roster gets itself filled out in the way that they want to construct it. I don't know that we've really been able to learn anything about that either so far. I think that's actually gotten less likely to happen, which I kind of suspected would happen before the season started because not every NFL team or really no NFL team is able to stay healthy. This was the worst roster in the NFL before the season started. They've lost some key players to injury during the season from week to week, a couple ties for the season. And they've had also cluster injuries, defensive linemen. You know, for a while there, they had multiple linebackers, without, with the exception of White, who has, I think, played every snap of every game so far, close to it. If he hasn't played every snap, it's been right, you know, right near 100%. Uh, so, you know, I'm not surprised that uh, really the roster has gotten worse as the season's continued, and they're doing what they should be doing. You know, they basically bagged the season, which they should have done, with the new hierarchy and just started over. Uh, and uh, the, the fact that they're it, – it's not surprising that there is a festival, and I'm not joking about this, a festival of, you know, guys waved and brought in from practice squads, on the practice squad, off the practice squad. They're seemingly like a daily transaction – that is not all injury-related, it's performance-related, and mostly because the guys that they've had haven't performed even well enough to be on a special teams or even active for a game on a Sunday. And they're just doing, they're you know, scouring the waiver wire from other teams and just trying to find a player or two who might have a future here after this year. 
Looking ahead, all eyes are absolutely going to be on Kyler Murray. And, you know, does this offense get an identity with him at quarterback? Does it become obvious that he should be the franchise Arizona Cardinal quarterback or that with uh, the assumed draft position that they'll have potential moves in the offseason? He'd have to have the greatest five or six, however many games they got left. A few games remaining in the season. He'd have to have the greatest you know, stretch run in history for me to change my mind that he is not a franchise quarterback here. Uh, it would have to be just incredible. The best thing, and I've said this for months, literally for almost the entire calendar year now, the best thing that can happen to the Cardinals this season uh, on an individual basis is that he plays well enough that they can actually trade him at the end of the year yeah, the teams would be interested in him as a starting quarterback after this year. Minnesota always comes to mind immediately, even on that. Now they're saying since Cousins is hurt, I don't understand this. For weeks, we even heard Cousins mentioned in trade rumors before they started winning some games before he got hurt. But now I hear, you know, reading that you know he might actually. They're more. They're going to keep him now. But anyway, whatever. The best thing that can happen, whether it's Minnesota or somewhere else, is another team. And there's plenty of teams. As we've talked about on a seemingly daily basis for weeks now, need quarterbacks uh, need a you know somebody that is at least a competent NFL starting quarterback, and I certainly think that when Murray's healthy, he is that. Uh, but if he doesn't uh, shows enough that they could trade him, but that team's also going to take his, have to take on his contract, and I don't understand how all that works if you get traded and however you know whatever. But uh, his contract is pretty absurd as far as cost goes, at least for the Cardinals' point of view. So there's all kinds of factors there. But I, the, to me, if I had to guess, and guess is a key word here, I think I would be surprised, in fact, I definitely would be surprised, if he were on this roster next season one way or the other. Yumo talked about quarterbacks. There have been, through Week 9, 46 quarterbacks have started a game this year. Wow. I believe there's 10 rookies after last week. Is that what you mentioned the other day? Uh, so now? it will be because Tommy DeVito didn't start, but he's expected uh, to start this Sunday. So, yes, then it becomes 10 rookie quarterbacks, and that is the most since 1950. And I wasn't even alive then. I, you know, I was born seven years later, so my God. <laughs> and there weren't even that many teams in 1950. The L.A. Rams, they are sitting at three and six. You have uh, Puka Nakua. He was a, a fun rookie surprise, catching all of that attention without Cooper Cup to start the season. This is a very youthful team. There have been moments where this Rams team maybe looked really young, other times where you thought, oh, they're performing better than maybe expectations were. But now without Matthew Stafford, with his injury, uh, a lot remains in question. Uh, so that's kind of my perception of them here through the first nine weeks. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll add one thing, though. I do think uh, the reason that they've taken a few steps backwards here is they just have too many rookies that are playing. And you know, they, I know when the season started, I mean, this has probably changed because you know there's so many roster moves in the league. But when the season started, they had the most rookies of, on the 53-man roster of any team in the league. And you know those, a lot of those guys were playing a lot. And some of them were still playing a lot. A couple of them were doing okay. Uh, but you know, for the most part, it's kind of hard to imagine that uh, those guys are going to get really – they might get better performance-wise during the season – 
but it's hard to imagine that they're going to be able to withstand the punishment of a 17-game season, which is a whole lot different than college. Uh, Looking ahead, I'm curious here. With the signing of Carson Wentz, which is now a one-year deal with the Rams, including a $150,000 signing bonus prorated to a $1.165 million base salary, according to Field Yates, I'm curious, is this a backup situation for Carson Wentz and the Rams, or could they possibly be looking at him with an eye to next year? I don't know what Stafford's situation is. I mean, he, that guy gets beat up all the time. You remember, I keep bringing this up, but it's just something that stands out to me. He played with a broken back for a bunch of the season in his days in Detroit when they were losing game after game after game, and he still stayed out there. And you know, just the toughness factor with him is amazing. So, uh, you know, his wife has been rather vocal, I know, over the last couple of years and almost seemingly begging him to retire. Uh, so uh, we'll see if he's back. But also, I would assume, just based on what we've heard from when he was in Philadelphia and Indianapolis and Washington, that maybe there's some kind of a – I would imagine the Rams are also not just monitoring Wentz's football skills – but can he get along with human beings, which seems to have been a big problem for him in his professional career, no matter where he has been thus far. We'll get into the rest of the NFC West on the other side of the break. And then I think what we'll do, the teams that kind of caught my attention that I have written down, we'll start those in hour number two. If you were calling in, give us a call at 1215-602-260-1060. That'll be the next opportunity, 1215-602-260-1060. But the 49ers and the Seahawks from the NFC West are coming up on the other side of the break. Nine weeks into the NFL season, week 10 gets started tonight. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up our number one of this edition of Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. Week nine is in the books, or nine weeks, I should say, of the NFL season is in the books. Weeks 10 is getting started tonight. Going through the NFC West at the moment as to what the expectations were heading into the season, where they are now, and a bit of a look ahead for each of these teams. For the 49ers, they're sitting at 5-3. and three. Christian McCaffrey, he had a blazing start to the season. He actually, in fact, leads the league with 652 yards, uh, but that has dropped off a bit in the last couple of games, so that's how large of a lead he had in terms of his rushing numbers so the question here is does he get back on track I think a lot of that has to do with the health of Trent Williams and then in addition to that with the 49ers defense 18 sacks for them cause for concern with this defense you now have Steve Wilkes moving from the booth to the field yeah I don't know if it matters where Steve Wilkes is um, you know, they have uh, you know, failed to get a pass rush so they've gone out and got guys including Chase Young 
and looks like he's going to have a big role this week. Uh, they had a bye last week to get him. To, you know, they didn't have a bye just because, uh, you know, they you know, that wasn't the only reason they, the, the league scheduled the bye. Uh, so they used the bye week to get him integrated more into what they're doing. And it's, it's apparently he's going to get a huge role this week in his first game. And that makes sense because the pass rush has been disappointing. Uh, Trent Williams, it looks like he's – this is you – know, even after the bye week last week, he's questionable to return just based on what I heard from uh, Shanahan yesterday. Uh, so, you know, he to me, you know, certainly, you know, you make a case for McCaffrey, but to me Trent Williams is the most important player on this team. Uh, you know, it's not an accident that, you know, he tried to play and did finish that game in Cleveland. That was the first of the three game losing streak. He missed the last two games that they didn't play that they didn't win. Excuse me. Uh, so to me, he's the, he's the, he's the guy. I mean, he's the best left tackle in the NFL, in my opinion, I'm guessing many other people's opinion. Uh, so I thought that this was the best team when the season started, it's also a team that has a ton of free agents at the end of the year, and this is kind of like the last rodeo, I think, as far as this group together. Yeah, for me, looking ahead here, the question is, can they be the NFC Super Bowl representative that so many thought that they would be heading into the season? There's no question in my mind that they are, but you know, they need to be healthy. And Williams, you know, Debo, they've won games without Debo the last two or three years because, unfortunately, Debo has been hurt a lot, even going back to his days at South Carolina, he was hurt a lot. We have so much great content to share, so we'll get to the Seahawks to start hour two. We'll go through some of the other teams that had expectations heading into the season and where they are now to kickstart things for hour number two of the Extra Point. We'll reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll take your calls around 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays.